Welcome everybody to our weekly tour to our weekly tour class. Great to be back in town. I was uh, out of town for two weeks. Great to come back. Um, so welcome to everybody watching. We're sitting here with us on Zoom and who are watching us on Facebook. Before we start, let's, let's hear how was your week so far. Thomas, how was your week? It's uh, been... Hmm. It's been there. It's been not bad. Not, not bad. Um, not great. So I'm not going to complain because not bad is good. And complain. Yeah, you can't complain. You know, you know what they say about a Jew, the Jew coming back from Russia, back in Soviet Union. A Jew was, uh, you know, managed to to get back to 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 get away from from so from Soviet Union. They're coming to Israel, so they said they asked him, "How is life in Russia?" Say, "Well, I can't complain." Really, I, we 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 thought that the life over there is pretty terrible. How is how is the food situation? You know, I can't complain. Really, how is uh, you know how is the real estate situation? We we thought everything is is crashing. Like, no, I can't complain. Like, really? So so tell us, Moshe, why did you come to Israel? Well, because here I can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ellie, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. So I started to tell you, Ellie, that the, the link that I sent you, this is the link for all our classes. All right. Mm -hmm. So you could say you could save it and and I will let you know exactly what time is the Tani class. Or I could tell you right, right now. It's gonna be Monday, 10 30 in the morning. Okay. Okay. Monday, 10 30 in the morning. Okay, so let's start our weekly Torah class. And we are um we are about to start a very interesting conversation. Let me put the presentation here. You see you all see it. And the topic of tonight's class is going to be redefining Mashiach. Are, are you waiting for the right Mashiach? Are you waiting for the right Messiah? Um, we're going to talk about it um, because this week's Torah portion, we're talking about Balak. Balak was a the king of Moab, was a, was a Gentile, was the king of Moab who was scared of the Jewish people. And he hired the prophets. Of Bilam, Bilam was a, a again a Gentile prophet who had divine powers. So he hired him to come and curse the Jewish people. He told him, he warned him beforehand. Before beforehand, Bilam told Balak, "I am not going to do anything which God is not going to put in my mouth. I'm going to say only what God is going to put in my mouth." So you wanted to be cursed. I can promise that. Whatever God is going to put in my mouth, that's what I'm going to say. Sure enough, you tried again and again three times, and only wonderful blessings came out of his mouth to the Jewish people. This is what, we, what we're reading in this week's story portion. It's a very interesting story, how it's going there back and forth. Um, so here you have the partial overview. And now this is going to bring us to a conversation about Mashiach, because as we're going to see in a few moments, one of his prophecies, one of the blessings Bil'am is telling about the Jewish people is about the coming of Mashiach at the end of days. So talking about Mashiach, what 
what did Mashiach all about? And let me ask you a question. You're sitting here, we're all sitting here tonight. So when I when I when when I say the word Mashiach, okay, the, the final redemption, what comes in mind? What do you think about when you when you, when I when when you hear the word Mashiach or redemption? Floor is yours. Um I, I think about the um the uh your the word like Yeshua or like the verb of like the verb form of like salvation that is said in the um uh the Amida, for example, and like the um the context of that in like the uh song at the sea too. So like the idea that um God possesses ownership of or like God is king of nature is um it take it's like it's followed up often in like psalms i think with um descriptions about like divine justice so like on the one hand you have um like nature and on the other hand you have like i guess history and those things are sort of brought together by this concept um as far as like i've i've seen it in the um Sidur, for example all right so so how do you see, so what so what do you see uh, in mashiach going to be a, a combination of this uh, I see just like a kind of opening. Opening. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't have like an image. There's only just a sense of like a um, open, openness. You have, you, have no, you have never seen it yet. No, <laughs> it, there's no, there's no, there's no image. Right. Yeah. Anyone else? That's, yeah, that's great, Ellie. It's great what you said. And, and it's true, by the way. It's true. There's going to be an opening of, of a new era. So let's, let's hear, let's hear some, some more words. I'm, I'm, I'm. A little, I've been a little, you know, you know, I've been coming into my faith late in my life, but I know that growing up, you know, I've had different people talking about different messiahs, but since, since I've been studying the Torah, you know, I've been studying the Torah on my own and trying to get some Jewish readings on the on it now again i'm new so please correct me if i you know if i'm i want to make sure i'm going the right direction in my ideas but as i i, I read the torah i i really read a um a um god chose god the creator chose the israeli people the jewish people to bring his, you know, through Father Abraham, bring his anointing and and blessings into the world, the seven, you know, the promises to Abraham and the covenant with Abraham. And through him, the the, the, the Messiah to bless the world. And 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 when I think of the Messiah, I, I, I think I think of somebody that is going to come into the world that brings our society, brings communities back into the will of God the Father. Am I making sense? Yes, 100%. 100%. And, and it's true. Mashiach, as we, as, as we know, and we, and we read and we learn, Mashiach is going to bring about, and, and this is a combination of what Eli said, what Thomas said, Mashiach is going to bring about world peace. It's going to be a, a really wonderful, wonderful era Time of plenty, universal health, 
you know, no wars, no suffering. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a wonderful era. So that there's no question about. It. My question now is, is that all? What is that? Is, is that what Mashiach is all about, or there's something more to that? In other words, is the whole thing about Mashiach just for us to live in a comfortable world? Hmm. When there's no suffering and there's no hunger and there's no jealousy and there's no, or yeah. there is something more to that. I think that a world a world without um, friction or all those things you mentioned would be very boring. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like you know, I don't th- I don't think that it's a, I I it doesn't yeah I so I probably it's not that right. So you're right. It's not only that, meaning it's going to be that. It's going to be a world, a wonderful era, a wonderful world, a wonderful time where everyone is living in peace with each other, no wars and no suffering. But obviously, we are aiming, we, we're probably aiming for something higher, something more um, purposeful mm-hmm. than just living comfortably. Yeah. Just being able to go to Hawaii and sitting, you know, <laughs> and doing nothing, right? This is not what the center of Judaism, which is Mashiach, the final redemption, where the whole world is going to, it's not just for us to live comfortable. Comfortable is wonderful, but what is the purpose? What is, what are we waiting for? This is what we're going to explore. I I don't see, I mean, I don't, I, when, when, I'm sorry, my, my speech impediment's coming out today. When, when I when I reflect and contemplate a Mashiach, I don't see when when he comes, I don't see it like, oh, it's over, everything is done. Mm-hmm. But I see it more of a, a bring it together, m- more of an understanding of the necessity of obedience and I'm following God the Father. I mean, it, 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 it's more, he, he's going, I view it more of him being able to bring the world to an understanding yeah. of the necessity of following 100%. God. 100%. So this is, we are going, Thomas, you're saying it, you're saying it beautifully, and we are going to, we're going to get to that, to that point. So first of all, let's, you know, let's, let's, uh, so let's start to explore this idea. What are we really waiting for what is Mashiach all about? What is Mashiach coming to do? And again, why are we talking about this tonight? Because in this week's Torah portion, Balak, we have the wonderful prophecy, which is, the, by the way, the only direct direct preference in the Torah mm-hmm. to the coming of Mashiach. The only direct reference in the entire books of, books, uh, five books of Moses to the coming of Mashiach is in this week's Torah portion as part of the prophecy of the prophet Bilam. And I go over there also, it's not it's not clear. It's not, it's not going to say it in, in uh, you know, uh, clear words. Mm-hmm. He's saying it more of a poetic, more in a prophecy um, style. But as we are going to see soon, how we are um, interpreted, <laughs> how we understand it, we understand that he's talking about Mashiach. Start also from the, from his introduction, he's telling, he's, he's saying over there, he's, he's telling Balak, the king, let me tell you what's going to happen with this nation at the end of days. 
Mm-hmm. So he's using the word at the end of days, and then he's coming up with saying what's what's what you see here, text number one on the screen, or if you have the book, it's gonna be in page 193. Um let's read it. Ellie, would you like to read it for us? Um yeah, let me let me find a way to uh, um you see it on the screen? There, okay. Um I see it, but not now. I should I read it in Hebrew? No, 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 in the in English, please. I see it, but not now. I behold it, but not soon. A star has gone forth from Jacob, and a staff will rise from Israel that will crush the princes of Moab and uproot all the sons of Seth. Edom shall be possessed, and Seir will shall become the possession of his enemies, and Israel shall triumph. A ruler shall come out of Jacob and destroy the remnant of the city. Thank you. So this is, this is the prophecy. Those are the words that Balak is saying. That Sorry, that Bilam is saying. Now, what is the meaning? What exactly Bilam prophecy referring to? So here comes Maimonides. Maimonides, as we all know, has a wonderful book, which is, uh, you know, a comprehensive book on Jewish law. Over there, he discusses everything about Jewish law, all, all sorts, all kinds, all, um, you know, all parts of Jewish life. At the end of his book, he's discussing for a few chapters what is going to happen when Mashiach is going to come, who is, what is the personality of Mashiach, and over there he discusses a lot of details. Some of the details he discusses over there is what is the source in the Torah? How do we know that Mashiach is going to come? What is the source for our belief that Mashiach is going to come? Yeah. Well, the source is actually from this week's Torah portion. From mm-hmm. these uh, uh, words that Ellie just read, the Rambam finds the source mm-hmm. for believing in Mashiach. Let's see it in the words of the Rambam, text okay. number two, page 194. Dave, would you like to read it? It is even written in the Torah portion of Balaam, who prophesied about both the Messiahs. The first Messiah was David, who saved Israel from her adversaries, adversities. The final Messiah will be from his sons and will deliver Israel from the hands of the descendants of Esau. There it says, I see it, but not now. This refers to David. I behold it, but not soon. This is the king Messiah. Mm -hmm. A star has gone forth from Jacob. This is David. And a staff will rise from Israel. This is the king Messiah. That will crush the princes of Moab. This is David. And so it says, and he smote Moab and measured them with a rope and uproot the sons of Seth. This is the king Messiah of whom it says, and his dominion shall be from sea to sea. And Edom shall be possessed. This is David, as it says, and Edom shall become slaves to David. And Sierra shall become the possessions of his enemies. This is the king Messiah, as it is said, and the Savior shall come upon Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau. Mm. Thank you very much. So, per Rambam, per Maimonides, the prophecy refers to both King David and Mashiach. Now, and and it's very interesting going first, you know, first King David, then Mashiach, then another, and again King David, again Mashiach, again, meaning very clearly that Torah is making a comparison between King David and Mashiach. This taking the, the, the prophecy of Bilam and referring it to both of them as if they were 
almost as if to be intertwined between Mashiach and King David. And now, mm -hmm. the question is, what's the significance of this? Why is the Rambam, why the Rambam mentioning King David in the middle of talking of Mashiach? I mean, yeah, we know that Mashiach is going to come from the house of David. But here the Rambam is going and, 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 and you know, describing to us who is Mashiach, what is Mashiach, how do we know to believe in Mashiach? Why is it now the place to talk about King David? King David was a very important, important figure in Jewish history, don't get me wrong, but it was part of Jewish history. It was very important in the past. Here we're talking about what's going to happen when Moshiach is coming. What this have to do with King David? Why is it important to talk about King David right now? So clearly, the answer to why King David is important has to do with the beginning of, of, of what the Rambam is saying. And I'm putting it back. What the Rambam is, is saying, they are written in the Torah portion of Bilam, who prophesied about both the Mashiach, meaning we consider both David and Mashiach to be two Mashiach. Mm -hmm. What's that? Isn't there only one Mashiach? How King David came into the picture all of a sudden? Here, this is what we're going to, to start uh, figuring out. Why is it, why is it? And again, we're going per Maimonides. Other other commentators learning it differently, learning prophecy of Bilam a little different. But one thing for sure, everyone agrees. There's no argument that Bilam is talking about the time of Mashiach. When he's saying, "I'm seeing it, but not now," he's talking about the, about the coming of Mashiach. There's a disagreement how to interpret it. If it's going about King David, only about Mashiach, part about Mashiach, part about something else. But one thing for sure, it's talking about the end of days, as I said before, talking about Mashiach. And the question is, we're trying to figure out with Maimonides, what is, why is important, the, why is it important to compare now Mashiach and King David together when we are trying to figure out what is Mashiach and what is the source? of the coming of Mashiach. All right? Okay. Clear? Clear to everybody? Any, any Anybody has any any ideas or any? I have, I have no idea. You have no <laughs> idea. All right. So we are going to figure out together. Hopefully soon you will get a wonderful idea. So we're actually going to, so let's, let's, let's move a little forward. And now we will delve into one perspective that can provide some answers to this question. We'll start with one perspective and then we'll get to even um, more, even better and more deeper perspective on how to understand this. So one way to understand why the Rambam and why the Torah, per Maimonides, per Rambam, why the Torah is getting um, what the Torah is meaning, what the Torah is referring to by, by talking about both King David and Mashiach is actually because of the effect this comparison has on the reader. Mm. What do I mean? How many years are we waiting for Mashiach? Anyone else? 
long time. (laughs) (laughs) At least, at least since the destruction of the Second Temple. At least over 1900 years. More even, but but let's say at, at least 1900 years. This is a long time. This is a long time. And in order to keep strong with the faith that Mashiach is coming, it, uh, you know, takes uh, a lot of faith. Takes a lot of thinking, takes a lot of faith. How do you strengthen your faith? How can you be assured that Mashiach is going to come? We're going to see that perhaps by putting the comparison between King David and Mashiach, this is going to strengthen our faith that Mashiach is actually going to come. Let me explain. And let's, let's introduce this idea by studying a piece of Talmud. Let's see, a, a very interesting piece of Talmud, which is actually talking about the resurrection, the, the, the resurrection of the dead, which is part of the coming of Mashiach, right? We know part of the wonders which is going to happen, Mashiach is going to come, is the resurrection of the dead. So in the Talmud, second, the Talmud, sorry, in the Medrash, which is part of the Talmud, the Medrash relates to a very interesting story. Sorry. This is the question that we had. This is, sorry, I was right, in the Talmud. Talmud tracted Sanhedrin. You could, you could read here about the discussion between Gvia ben Psisa, which was my, one of the rabbis at that time, with a heretic. All right? Who wants to read it? Thomas, would you like to read to us text number five? As a certain heretic said to Gavia ben Psisa, woe unto you, the wicked, as you say, the dead will come to life. The way of the world is that those who are alive die. How can you say that the dead will come to life? Gavia ben Pasisa said to him, Woe unto you, the wicked, as you say, the dead will not come to life. If those who were not in existence come to life, it is not reasonable, all the more so that those who were once alive will come to life again. The heretic says to Gavia ben Pasisa angrily, You're calling me wicked. If I get up, I will kick you and flatten your hump. Gavia Ben Patisa was a hunchback. said to him, if you do so, you will be called an expert doctor and will be able to take high wages. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an that's a, a interesting piece of comedy from the Talmud. Um, but what essentially the debate here? What is the logic that Gvia ben Psisa trying to be, try trying to bring here? The Talmud is establishing here a proof for the future resurrection of the dead. Why do we need a, a proof? Because this is something against nature. When we think about it from our from our perspective today, the resurrection of the dead is going against every nature. What is the nature today? Living things die. Not the other way around. And all of a sudden we say that something is going to happen. Resurrection of the dead, that is going to come alive. We need something to, you know, to give us some strength here. 
to, to give us some proof that this is something, something that God actually could do. So Gvia is coming and saying, look, God is actually performing such miracles every single day, tens of thousands of times all over the world. Much, much greater miracles. Because the one thing to take, a, to take a, a, you know, broken down car and try to fix the broken parts, then to take and, to, and then to try to build on your own a whole new car from scratch, right? Obviously, it's much easier to take something which was alive and bring it alive than to make something alive, something new. Mm-hmm. And if God is making making new people every single day, definitely it could make the resurrection of the dead. Now, why am, I, why am I bringing it here? Because, as I said before, so many times throughout history, the belief of Mashiach, the faith, the Mashiach is going to come, looks like against nature. This is really going to happen through so many pogroms and so many suffering that Jewish people are going through. And while I mention again, mm-hmm. let me let me pause, let me push the but, the pause uh, button for a second and dedicate this class for the many um, Jews and non-Jews who are suffering, who are still missing from the um, tragedy in Miami last night, which I know from, uh, you know, I from, don't even know. What? What do you say, Ellie? Oh, I don't. I don't even know what happened. Sorry. So. Oh, okay. So whatever. It's a, you know you could check after, but the building just collapses in the middle of the, in the middle of the night, and and we have over there over I think about a hundred people are missing, among them oh, many man. Jews, among them many many uh, um, Chabad people, uh, and this is something which is which is all part of exile. And, we, and when you we're going through these things again and again, and you think to yourself, really, is this something going to going is going to end? And obviously the answer is yes. And we have to, we have, to have faith in that. So here, because it's it's sometimes very, very, very uh, hard to, to imagine, very hard to believe, comes Maimonides and telling you, hear what is listen to what the Torah is telling you. The Torah is comparing Mashiach to King David. Why? Because the Torah is one, one to teach you something. Mashiach and King David. Very similar. You know why? Because at the end of the day, Mashiach is going to be, as we're going to see later, Mashiach is going to be a king who is going to control the Jewish people, who are going to control the world, who are going to save the Jewish people from their enemies. We're going to save them from their exiles. We're going to take them away from suffering. But it's not something that's never happened before. This is something which already happened. You know when? King David. King David already was a king which saved the Jewish people. Already was a king that built a temple. Already was a king that brought Jews together. So this is not something out of the blue. This is only kind of to reestablish something which already happened. This way, put it, put it a little more into perspective, right? Put it a little more, you know, it's not something out of the blue. It's something which really could happen. How do I know it could happen? Because it already happened. It already happened in the time of King David. Now, if we want to take things even a, bit, a step further, one of the commentators of the Rambam, which is Rabbi Moshe of Trani, 
the Kiryat Sefer lived in the 15th century, he's saying even more. He's saying, second, he's saying, look, Bilam, right, when we read in this week's Torah portion, is prophesying about the two Mashiach. He's prophesying about King David. He's prophesying about Mashiach. Now, how much before, how many years before King David was the whole story with Bilam? How many years before King David were the Jewish people in the desert? At least thousand years before. So thousand years before King David, Bilam is already saying, guys, listen, you're going to have a king who is going to conquer the Jewish, the Jewish land, who is going to, to control, who is going to build a temple. And then later, there's going to be another king, Mashiach. So says this uh, Kiryat Sefer, the rabbi, he's saying, look, just like his prophecy was fulfilled in this first one, the same way it's going to be fulfilled in the second one. Let's see it inside. <coughs> Text number six from Rabbi Moshe of Trani is saying as follows. Even Bilam prophesied of two Mashiachs, about the first Mashiach, who was David, and about the last Mashiach, who will emerge from his progeny. Just as his prophecy was fulfilled with the first Mashiach, so we so will it be fulfilled with the last. Because at the end of the day, if you think about it, Bilam was many, many, many generations and years prior to David. And nevertheless, he was prophesying about him. He was fulfilled. The same way it will be fulfilled, same way it will be fulfilled, that, uh, uh, you know, his prophecy about Mashiach. Now, by the way, just interesting to note, and kind of in parentheses, that that Rabbi, this Rabbi Kiryat Sefer did not get this idea out of the blue. This idea that prophecies bear their fruits, you know, in more than one season, he took it actually from the Talmud. The Talmud is telling us, just in text number seven, the, you could read it. Uh, um, you know what, Ellie? Would you like to read it? It's a little long. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, it's a very interesting um, story. I believe we spoke about it a few times, but it's always important to remember it. Go okay. ahead. Um, yet again, they were climbing the hills toward Jerusalem together. <laughs> once they crested Mount Scopus, they tore their clothing as a halachic sign of mourning. Once they had reached the Temple Mount, they saw a fox emerging from the place where the Holy of Holies had once stood. They started to weep. But Rabbi Akiva laughed. Why are you laughing? They demanded. Why are you weeping? He replied. They lamented. What a, a place of which it is said, and the common man that draws near shall be put to death, has now become the haunt of foxes. Should we not weep? He replied. This is precisely why I am laughing. For it is written, and I will take to me faithful witnesses to record. Uriah, the priest of Zechariah, the son of Jerabahiah, now, what is the connection between Uriah and the priest Zechariah? Uriah lived during the time of the first temple, whereas Zechariah lived during the second temple. Okay, we didn't finish. Ne nevertheless, the holy writings have linked the later prophecy of Zechariah with the earlier prophecy of Uriah. In the earlier prophecy of Uriah, it is written, Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. In Zechariah, it is written, there shall be yet a time when old men and old women will sit in the promenades of Jerusalem. 
As long as Uriah's prophecy had not been fulfilled, I had misgivings lest Zechariah's prophecy might not also be fulfilled, literally. Now that Uriah's prophecy has been literally fulfilled, it is certain that Zechariah's prophecy will also find its literal fulfillment. Thank you, Ellie. So what Rabbi Akiva saw when he saw this fox coming out? He didn't <laughs> only see... What? That it's a field. <laughs> right. He didn't only see the destruction, but he actually saw a sign of building. He saw yeah. a sign of redemption here because he knew that if the one prophecy was fulfilled, the other one will be fulfilled as well. Mm-hmm. And the same, in the same vein, tell us this, Rabbi, that this is why the Torah is comparing Moses to King David. Mm-hmm. Sorry, King David to Mashiach. Why? Because the Torah is try, trying to tell us, look, to give us some encouragement, to give us some hope. Just like the, his prophecy about King David was fulfilled. Same way, his prophecy about Mashiach is going to be fulfilled. Although sometimes, oh, we will miss, we miss the, the, the last, the punchline. <laughs> they um, replied with the following words, Akiva, you have comforted us. Akiva, you have comforted us. Because this is a real comfort. What is a real comfort? To see in with your own eyes a sign of building, a sign of redemption. In the same vein, as I said, this is why the Torah is um, felt the need to put the comparison between King David and Mashiach to give us the hope and encouragement. That just like the prophecy of King David was fulfilled, so the prophecy about Mashiach will be fulfilled as well. So with that, we basically resolved, more or less, resolved the question that we started with. What was our question? Why are we, why are we putting King David all of a sudden when we're talking about Mashiach? We're talking about the future. Why do we have to remember about the past? Based on what we have learned now, the one perspective so far, give us the more encouragement, more hope that things will turn out the right way. And we are sure about it. We are, you know, keeping us our faith because we saw it happened already in the past. That's why we are sure it's going to be happening again. But let me ask you a simple question. If the Rambam, if Maimonides is just trying to tell us that Mashiach has an historical precedent, I think I have a figure in history which is much more fitting to this idea. Because look, King David, with all due respect, he saved the Jews from their enemies, he built a temple, but he wasn't a redeemer. He did not redeem the Jewish people from any exile. I have an example of a Jewish leader who literally redeemed the Jewish people from a suffering exile, from a place that they thought they would never get out. Who do I mean? Moses. Moses was the first redeemer of the Jewish people. He gave the Jewish people the Torah. He took them out of Egypt. He saved their lives. He fought for them. Why the comparison to King David, who wasn't really a redeemer, and not to Moses, who was the first redeemer, the first Jewish leader? Now, not only that, why not to compare it to Moses? We actually find in the Madrash, the Medrash does compare Moses, Mashiach to Moses. We call it 
last redeemer and first redeemer. And they are very much connected, very much associated together. Let's see text number eight. Um, Dave, would you like to read it? In page 202. Rabbi Berachiah said in the name of Rabbi Yitzhak, the last redeemer will be just as the first. Just as it says of the first redeemer, so Moses took his wife and his sons, mounted them upon a donkey. So too will the last redeemer be, as it says, humble and riding a donkey. Just as the first redeemer brought down manna, as it says, behold, I am going to rain down for you bread from heaven. So too the last redeemer will bring down manna, as it says, may there be an abundance of grain in the land. Just as the first redeemer brought up the well, so too the last redeemer will bring up the water, as it says, and a spring will issue from the house of God and will water the valley of Shittim. Thank you. So again, so what do we see here? We see here very clearly that the Torah is referring to Moses as the first redeemer. So when we try, and, and, and this is actually something which also could give us hope. Look, when they were in Egypt, they thought that they cannot get out of there. They thought they're going to stay there forever. They were suffering, but they 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 never they never thought mm. that there's a way out. And all of a sudden came came the first redeemer and came, took them out of Egypt, saved their lives, gave them meaning, gave them the Torah, gave them the manna, was with them in the, in the desert for forty years. So if we are trying to compare to someone. I would suggest to, to, to compare Mashiach to, to, to Moses, not to King David. King David did not redeem the Jewish people from any exile. He saved them from their enemies, right? But they, there was no particular exile that he took them away from. So why are we trying to compare? What about King David that we are trying to compare Mashiach to? I understand it's going to give us hope and, and, and encouragement, but I believe Moses will do the same job. Mm. Another question. Maimonides has different kinds of books. He has a whole variety of books. The guy for the perplex, the guy, the guy, the guy for, for the perplex, and different um, letters that he has written. Letters of encouragement, of hope, inspiration. This comprehensive work that we are dealing with, the halachic work is not an inspirational book. If you're looking for inspiration, for inspirational book, it's not. Just simple, giving us facts of life. This is, this you're allowed to, this you're not allowed to, this is what you should do on Monday, this is what you should not do on Tuesday. Why is here a place for this inspiration and, and doses of hope and faith? Mm -hmm. It's not the place for it. So, so again, so we have Moses, which was the first redeemer, and we have Mashiach, which will be the last. <laughs> Why the emphasis of comparing Mashiach to King David? And why this is important in the midst of a, 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 a book of law and facts? This is not an inspirational book. This is not a, 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 any you know, encouragement. It's not, this is not the place for it. Is there anything halachic? Is there anything that, that we can learn from this comparison of King David and Mashiach? Okay, are we ready to go to the next level? 
So let's try to understand what is the comparison of King David and Mashiach. And, 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 and we will see how we are going now to redefine what Mashiach is. We're going to see how Maimonides is looking at Mashiach. What is the goal? What, Mashiach, what will Mashiach accomplish? And this we will learn from the comparison of King David, uh, uh, from the comparison to King David. So the key to understand the connection between King David and Mashiach can be found by reading a little further inside Maimonides. So let's take a look at how Maimonides describes what is going to happen when Mashiach is going to come. So we will start it in his, this is really, this is the um, second to last to last chapter of his work. Chapter, the, the loss of kings and wars, chapter 11, Halacha 3. And he's saying as follows. Um, Eli, would you like to read? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. Do not presume that the Messianic king must work miracles and wonders, bring about new phenomena in the world, resurrect the dead, or perform other similar deeds. This is definitely not true. Proof can be brought from the fact that Rabbi Akiva, one of the greater sages of the Mishnah, was one of the supporters of King Bar Koziba and would describe him as Messianic king. He and all the sages of his generation considered him to be the Messianic king until he was killed because of his sins. Once he was killed, they realized that he was not the Messiah. The sages did not ask him for any signs or wonders. The main thrust of the matter is, this Torah, its statutes and its laws are everlasting. We may not add to them or detract from them. Thank you. So this is a point that a lot of time could get lost when we talk about Mashiach. Because as we started the class, when we start we're talking about Mashiach, so many times we talk about the time of plenty, the end of poverty, the end of suffering, you know, wonderful peace, world peace, universal health, everything so wonderful, such wonderful world. So many miracles that the Moshiach is going to do, resurrection of the dead, etc. But here comes the Rakamaimanides and saying, look, all these wonderful things, this is not the definition of Mashiach. This is only a sidebar. Mashiach is much more than that. Mashiach, Mashiach is actually far more than just a miracle worker who a guy who's just performing miracles. What is Mashiach? What is the definition of Mashiach? My man is trying to tell us, look, it's not the miracles. It's not the miracles. This is not the definition of Mashiach. What is the definition of Mashiach? Let's continue further. The next halacha. So I guess, Eli, continue. You're already in the loop. <coughs> if a king will arise from the house of David who diligently contemplates the Torah and observes its mitzvot as, as prescribed by the written law in the oral, Torah, uh, oral law of David as his ancestor did and will compel all of Israel to walk the ways of Torah, and who will rectify the breaches in his observance and will fight the wars of God, we may with assurance consider him the Messiah. If he succeeds in the above, builds the temple in its place and gathers a dispersive Israel, he is definitely the Messiah. He will then improve the entire world, motivating all the nations to serve God together. As the verse states, I will transform the peoples to a pure language that they will all call upon the name of God and serve him with one purpose. Thank you very much, Ali. 
And here, this is what Maimonides is telling us, and I believe this is a, literally a redefining of Mashiach. What is Mashiach? What is the halachic definition of Mashiach? Not a guy who is coming and performing miracles and bringing about world peace. This is going to happen as well. But this is not the point. You know what the point of Mashiach? Mashiach is a person who restores the Davidic kingdom to its prior state, meaning bringing about what you call in Hebrew. I was saying in Hebrew, I will translate it. Shleimus mitzvah the perfected state of Torah and mitzvahs. Mashiach is a person who is, go, who is going to be devoted to Torah observances who, and who will ultimately facilitate the complete fulfillment of the Torah and all of its mitzvahs. This is what Mashiach is. How would Mashiach do it? How would Mashiach facilitate a fulfillment of the whole mitzvah, a time when we will be able to literally fulfill the 613 mitzvahs. Today we can't. You know how many mitzvahs we are not allowed, we, are, we can't perform today? We are not in Israel. We don't have the temple. Most of the mitzvahs, the majority of the mitzvahs we cannot perform. Mashiach will be the person who is coming and changing this. Bring us to, a, to an era where we will be able finally to perform all the mitzvahs fully. Now, this Mashiach will rebuild the temple. So we will be able to perform the mitzvahs of the temple. We'll gather all Jews from everywhere, from all over the world to Israel. So we could perform the mitzvahs which, were, which, were, <coughs> which will be in Israel. Bring about world peace. Bring about end of poverty. Bring about wonderful time. Why? So we could perform mitzvahs the way we should. In other words, let's make a distinction, an important distinction, between means and the, and, 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 and an end. All the wonderful things that we that we know about Mashiach. Mashiach is going to bring about. Wealth and health and 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 and, and <coughs> no more suffering and peace. All these good things are only means. This is not an end in and of itself. Because at the end of the day, think for yourself: is a, what's the value of world peace by itself? Mm-hmm. What's the value of world peace? Again, so you could go on vacation to Hawaii or to Israel without being worried that missiles are going to fly on you. Come on. This is not, this is a wonderful means to an end. What is the end? The end is a meaningful life. A time that we could finally connect to God in the most perfect way possible. Let's see the text number 12. How the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe is saying it. Dave, would you like to read it? This is not merely an account of the things that the Messiah will do and what will happen at this time. Rather, it is a law. The definition of the Messiah is that he will, quote, renew the Davidic Davis dynasty, restoring it to its initial sovereignty, unquote. Not that he will make something new, which in practical terms is actualized through the building of the temple and gathering of the dispersed of Israel. 
And with this, the purpose and the reason for the coming of the Messiah is achieved. Then, in his days, the observance of all the statutes will return to their previous state. We will offer sacrifices, observe the sabbatical and jubilee years, according to all their particulars as described by the Torah, which is connected with the gathering of the dispersed of Israel, once all of Israel is dwelling on its land. Thank you very much, Dave. So this is the definition of Mashiach. What's the definition of Mashiach? A perfect state of the Torah and the mitzvahs. Now, this is indeed a re redefinition. This is a redefinition of what Mashiach is. The question is, where does the Maimonides get this idea from? How do you know? Where do you get the idea from that Mashiach is all about bringing the world to its perfect state of fulfilling the Torah and the mitzvahs. Where do you take it from? Bela. Here, this is what the Rebbe explains, and this will give us such a wonderful uh, um, light on what the comparison to King David. Ultimately, the comparison to King David teaches us what Mashiach is all about. Let's see it in text number 13. Okay, text number 13. So Maimonides' words are, this is from the words of the Rebbe, it is even written in the Torah portion of Bilam, who prophesied about both Mashiach, the first Mashiach was David, who saved Israel from her, from her adversities. The final Mashiach will be from his sons and will deliver Israel in the end of days, right? That was the, that was the topic of, of, of tonight's class. And we're trying to figure out what's the comparison. Here, says the Rebbe, this is the comparison. From here we know that the consequence of the Mashiach and the point of the Mashiach is to renew the Davidic dynasty and restore it to its initial sovereignty. <coughs> In this sense, he is the final Mashiach. With the first Mashiach, who was David. As the Rambam writes, in that passage from Bilam, it is said that all the details that, that pertain in the to, to the first Mashiach, who was David, will also pertain to the final Mashiach, King Mashiach. From his initial appearance and assumption of sovereignty until he ultimately smote through the corners of Moab, which is paralleled by the Mashiach and breaks down all the sons of Seth, of Seth Sheth. Likewise, Edom will be demolished. This refers to David. And Sir Seir will be destroyed. This refers to the Masayani. King, meaning just like King David, says the Rebbe, just like King David brought the Jewish people to a perfect state in the land of Israel, the same will be with Mashiach. Meaning, let's go back. We had a question, why not Moses? Moses was also a redeemer, right? So why the comparison to, to King David, not to Moses? And here the answer. Moses was indeed a redeemer. But Moses did not bring the Jewish people to the final spot. Moses did not, Moses, per, Moses took the Jewish people from the bad place, but did not place them in the good place. He did not take them into Israel. He did not build a temple, the final temple. King David indeed did not redeem the Jewish people from any particular exile. 
But King David conquered the land of Israel, conquered Jerusalem, built the temple. In his time, he brought the Jewish people to a state of perfection, to a, to a place, to a, to a state of <coughs> perfect Torah and mitzvahs. In his time, they were, they were actually the majority of the people were in the land of Israel. The, the temple was built, meaning he was the first guy, the first king the Jewish people had who actually brought about the point that Mashiach is going to bring about. What is the point of Mashiach? Bringing about a perfect state of Torah and mitzvahs, a time that we could fulfill all the mitzvahs. This is not something new. King David was, was actually the same. And, we, we, and, and what Maimonides is trying to tell us here, why am I comparing King Moshiach to King David, because I want to teach you not only inspiration, not only giving you hope, not only giving you faith. I want to teach you what Moshiach is. You know, we want to know what Moshiach is. Moshiach is not going to be another Moses. It's going to be also the quality of, qualities of Moses. He's going to redeem the Jewish people. But the main thing is going to be, <coughs> he's going to be like King David. He's going to build a temple. He's going to bring the Jewish people back. Why? It's all a means to an end. The end is that he's going to bring, because the point is to bring the Jewish people to a state of perfect Torah and perfect mitzvahs. Um, as you can see, text number 14, the Rebbe continues, the Mashiach will bring about the complete fulfillment of the Torah by being liberated from the domination by foreign powers. On <coughs> the contrary, the Mashiach will reign over them. We will be able to properly occupy ourselves with Torah and mitzvahs and be free to be involved in Torah and wisdom without any pressure <coughs> or disturbances, as the Rabbi writes at length elsewhere. This is what Mashiach is all about, because in exile, we're unable to perform so many mitzvahs. We're unable to sit down, relax, and delve into Torah because we are we have so much pressure around us. When will we when will we will we be able to see to learn Torah? Do the mitzvahs the way the way we should? This is going to be the time the Moshiach is going to come. And we're going to see in text number 15, my is writing what's going to happen. Let's see the words of my money. What's going to happen when Moshiach is going to come? In the future, the Messianic king will arise and renew the, David, the, the Davidic dynasty, restoring it to its initial sovereignty, as we said before. He will build a temple and gather the, the, the dispressed of Israel. Then, in his days, the observances of all the, stats, the statues will return to their previous states. We will offer sacrifices and observe the sabbatical and jubilee years according to all their particulars as described by the former. Anyone who does not believe in him or does not await his coming denies not only the statements of the other prophets, but those of the Torah and Moses, our teacher. But finally, the answer is what? The comparison between Moshiach and King David is to establish a definition. Mm -hmm. What is the definition? To believe and await his coming, we have to know just what we are waiting for. Yeah. So this, right? In order to know what you're waiting for, in order to wait for something, you have to know what you're waiting for, right? <laughs> if we're just waiting for Mashiach, we're going to bring about end of suffering, which is definitely important. 
we are missing the point. Because Mashiach is not only about the end of suffering. Indeed, end of suffering will be part of it, but it's only the means. What the end? The end is that the, the, the point of Mashiach is to bring about the perfect state of Torah and Mitzvah. Now, obviously, you know, someone could, could you know, someone, someone could think, one second. So we're waiting already for 2,000 years for Mashiach. What, what's it all for? Or for some more religious rituals? <laughs> Sounds boring. I was getting excited for, you know, for a time of, of you know, sitting, enjoying myself in Hawaii. And here we, we say that Moshiach is all about just doing uh, some other mitzvahs. Obviously. Um, obviously, you know, there are many, many experiences, even physical experiences that we will be able to, to, to experience only when Moshiach will come. But at the end of the day, and this is a, a whole um, conversation for, 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 you know, a different time, but I believe we already mentioned that many times. When we understand, when we appreciate, when we value what the mitzvah is, what happens when we do something that God wants us to do, we will appreciate the, the coming of Mashiach much more. What is a mitzvah? A mitzvah is a pathway of connection between us human beings of our creator. This is the way that God is telling you, I want you to have a relationship with me by putting on the fill-in, by giving charity, by <coughs> lighting Shabbat candles, whatever it is. You have an opportunity to connect with me, to have a real relationship. This is what a mitzvah is, connection. When Moshiach will come, we'll have the ability to have a complete and final relationship with God. This is the most, the most meaningful life a Jew can ever dream about. And this is what we are waiting every day. This is what we're praying for. And this is what we're hoping should be coming speedily in our days. <coughs> the coming of Mashiach. So here you see on the screen this final idea of this um, class. So again, before we, we, we um, conclude the class, I would like to mention again that this class will, will be dedicated, we are dedicating it for all the people who are missing, all the people who are suffering, all the people who are um, um, still, you know, dealing with the situation in Miami. Um, may this be the end of the suffering. Indeed, may this be the last, the last uh, um, situation, the last hardship for the coming of Mashiach. May it be speedily in our days today. Chaim. Um, okay, then with that, we, um, we conclude tonight's class. If you have any questions or comments, please um, feel free. I have, I have a question. So why, why, um, is, why is the prophecy of the Mashiach put in the words of a, a non-Jewish prophet? It's a very, it's a very good question. Um, which I believe it's, it's, it's a little, um, you know, greater than the scope of this class. But, you know, Hasidic philosophy speaks about it and how some, some, some you know, the highest of things, you know, could, could come from, you know, the, from the lowest of, of, of things. 
you know, it's it's a matter of of, of Kabbalah, I guess. Well, well, you know, I, I can't I, I can't answer you on the spot. I, I, funny, you know, it's, I just it's an interesting question about, that I will have to look into. I I just read about Boehm. Um, I was wondering too about and 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 what I remember of the story is that you know he 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 was originally going to be he was called upon to curse the Israeli nation, right? But he kept saying, "Well, I can only say what God will tell me to say." But he was being called to curse, and 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 I always enjoyed the enjoy. I was laughing at the story because of the angel keeping the donkey from moving, <laughs> you know, and then right. speaking to the donkey. I was Very laughing. <laughs> I was laughing through that when I was reading it, and and and. But here, I I I think I think I see the reason of using him as a prophecy is because it's like he's being brought in to curse, but it's like, but still God set it up. I'm not, mm. not going to curse. You're going to bless this nation. Mm. Not only are you going to bless this nation, mm. I'm going to prophesy about this nation. Mm. And, and, and so I kind of, yeah. you know, that's kind of how where my mind's going. I like Perhaps. that. Yeah. I like that idea. Perhaps the answer to your question is to show because Mashiach is something which is so could, could seem to be something so uh, out of the blue. Perhaps to hear it from someone who is who you're not expecting it to, to say it is giving you a little more of a taste that you know what it's something which is actually going to happen. I did not expect him to say it if he's the one prophesying, you know. I, I I may be surprised with, with other things. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so um, it was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the class. Thank you very much. Of course, Ellie, you're always welcome. And I, I'm happy that you joined us. And you're welcome to join us every week to our classes. And um, with that, I would uh, conclude. And we'll wish you all Shabbat Shalom. Have a wonderful Shabbat ahead. Stay cool. Please stay safe. Stay indoors. Don't go outside so much. It's gonna be pretty hot. So we, we gotta be, we gotta keep ourselves safe. Yeah. I'm gonna make myself a portable shower so when I walk outside. <laughs> <Right. laughs> exactly. All right. So we will see you. All the best. All right, nice to meet everyone. Nice and by the way, before we conclude, well. next week, we are going to start the new book of Torah studies. We're going to finish the book that you have right now. And we are going to start the book number four. Season four of the year is going to start next week. So if you want to order the new book, um, please go to our website. I will uh, here. I'm putting it on the chat now. JewishBI.com slash Torah studies. Okay. If you have any problems with that, let me know and I will be able to help you. All right? Okay. All the best and we will be in touch. Stay safe and stay cool. Bye.